Welcome to The Mic Is On, episode number 10. Now I know what you're thinking. Those of you who've been listening in order or semi-order, you were thinking, what's wrong? Is the podcast not coming back? Why such a break? Well, here's the truth. I recently got a new computer, and the computer that I had been doing the podcast on was literally over 10 years old, which in computer years is like 100 especially in Apple computer years. So I did not want to try to do another episode while I was transitioning from the old computer to the new one. So that's the reason. But episode 10, oh, we got one for you this week. I know I've said this already before that when I started doing the podcast, I had it in my mind. There were different people I wanted to interview and and talk to. Some because of their paths, some because they're just interesting people. Well, right now, you are going to hear one of the most interesting people I've ever met in my life. One of my very close friends named DeWitt Nkumba. Now, DeWitt and I met each other when we were in college. And there are so many things about DeWitt that make him unique. And you're going to hear many of those here on this episode during this interview. We had this idea, or I had this idea, and I said, hey, DeWitt, here's the deal. I want you to come up and write down all these different funny, crazy stories you remember that involved us together, or just wild things that have happened over our lives when we were around each other. And there are quite a few of those. However, in our interview, as you'll hear, we barely got to any of the funny things because I mean, there are many, many funny things, but we barely got to any of the ones we actually wrote down because we do talk about, first of all, how he got to America. And it's a wild story. And then there are a couple of things that he talks about here in this interview that even having known him for more than 20 years, I had not heard one of these stories at all. And you'll hear my shock and awe and laughter. And there is a lot of laughter as well. So if you want to have a good time and hear someone who is just phenomenal, I've never met anybody who meets DeWitt and comes away thinking anything other than, oh, that's a good time right there. So go ahead, take a seat, do whatever you do when you're listening to this podcast, and just know that you're about to meet and hear the voice the unique person that is DeWitt Nkumba. So this is part one, because part two will have all the things we didn't get to in this interview. All right, just know, new computers here. We're back. We're not going anywhere. Hope you have a great time. Here is DeWitt. Well, this is the day I've been waiting for. Because I am here with DeWitt and Kumba. And throughout our life and times together, there has never been a time where anybody has come in contact with DeWitt that hasn't left with feeling like their life has been enriched in some form or manner. So DeWitt, I welcome you here today to The Mic Is On. Oh man, such a pleasure. Thanks for having me. It's a big platform as I would imagine 
a big platform. We have at least tens listening to us, right? You know, that will be listening to us right now. So yes. All right. Now here's the, let's give the background. The background here is that DeWitt and I met each other in, I want to say it was January of 1994 because we were going to the same college, but that is when he came over from Malawi to the United States. So I want to go back first. You grew up in Malawi. Where in Malawi did you grow up? And tell us a teeny bit about the country. It is uh, in the southern side of Africa. If you know where Tanzania, and if you go past, or if you end up in Mozambique, you've gone too far. So it's just a, a little bit north of Johannesburg, if I can sum it that way, south of Kenya. It's just on the maps, you just see a blue map. It's water, that's all there is, but it's a tiny country, Southern Africa. That's where I was born and raised. And we'll talk a little bit more about Malawi later as far as how people may have heard about it in the news in recent years. But you grew up in Malawi. Your brother, you have three siblings. You are the eldest of your three of your brothers and sisters. You're the oldest. Yes. However, two of them came to the States a little bit before you did, right? So tell us about how it came for you to be in the United States initially. Like, how did you initially get over here? Yeah. So just a little background. My parents, it's uh, where we, we started our journey to America. They didn't pay a dime for me to be in America. Okay. Uh, my dad, we worked at this. They were nurses, if we may say, at the uh, Seventh-day Adventist uh, Hospital. Okay. So uh, working there, a missionary came from America. Okay, and uh, happened to work with my dad through that time she was in Malawi doing her missionary term. Um, it just so happened there was a casual conversation. She said, hey, uh, I would like to have some Malawi food. And my dad was like, wow, what do I fix for her? I will ask my wife. He comes home, asks my mom, and my mom says, yeah, we'll see what we can do. And what I later find out in life, they fixed her rice with scrambled eggs. That's it. And that was our ticket to America. That's where it all started. That's where it all started. So you're coming in, uh, you don't know, but through the years, we were getting Christmas cards. We were getting chocolates. We were getting toy trains. We were getting fruitcakes from Collins Street Bakery in uh, Kosikana. I remember that. Why? Because it was written at the back of that can. Collins Street Bakery, Kosikana, Texas. Every Christmas season will have the fruitcake. My, 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 the whole country knew about the fruitcakes. <laughs> we enjoyed, we enjoyed the fruitcakes. But as we moved on through life and high school, it just started 1990. The general conference session was in uh, Indiana. 
and my parents got a letter or a phone call and they were like, hey, would you like to attend the general conversation? To my dad, he said, no, you know, you have to be a delegate. We are not delegates. And Mr. and Mrs. Bell said, no, we would like for you to come or pay your way. And they couldn't turn it down. They got their passports ready and they went to Indiana where they were messed with uh, cornfields. <laughs> but like, man, this just looks like Malawi said, yeah, this is Indianapolis and whatever. But while there, they took them to the Adventist booths, uh, school system or whatever. So they were able to see, they brought back Walla Walla brochure, Sierra or La Sierra. Is it La Sierra or Sierra? No, La Sierra. La, La Sierra, yeah. Keene, Oakwood, just all the universities from uh, North America. We were just going through like, huh, what is this? We didn't pay much attention, not knowing this was their plot. And believe you in me, a year or two later, 92, we were done with high school. I failed my high school exams. I'll be <laughs> honest, I flunked it. And my brother and my sister, they passed it. And uh, hey, we were just sitting there. My brother, for you to go to college in Malawi, you do not apply. You have to. Um, Be recruited? They, rec they come to you? No, or no, 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 no. Uh, let me say, you are not in there to, uh, you don't apply like here they pick the best for you to go to college. So if your grades were not where you are, you just have to go into teaching. If you feel like I did, consider maybe starting a business or maybe do retake classes. I refuse to retake classes, but it just so happened, man, one night, my dad was just like, so what are you going to do? I'm like, I don't know. My brother, he passed, but it wasn't to where he will be selected to go to college. My sister said, hey, I'm just going to go to a nursing school. So they took her into nursing school. Would you know two months into that, a call came. I'm just sitting home. And a phone call came, my dad answers, and he's talking. Usually, this call came at 5 a.m. I will never forget. And uh, I'm hearing, listening in, the whole conversation is in English. And he just said, sorry, we cannot afford it. And that was the end of the call. Hours later, the phone rings again. And I was like, hey, we're trying to follow up. After that call, actually, my dad started talking to my mom and say, that was uh, Mrs. Wonderbell. She was asking if kids are ready for college. Are they in college? Are we able to send them to America for college? So I told her we can afford it. So mom say, oh, of course, yeah, we cannot afford the United States sending kids to America. Are you kidding me? Say, yeah. So I just say, no, thank you. We can't afford it. 
would you know we another call came he said no actually it wasn't like we're asking you to pay their way to school we will pay their way to school oh we cut the holy ghost <laughs> we was we were speaking in tongues and we were rejoicing. We, we felt like uh, the Israelites leaving uh, Egypt for Canaan. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so basically they're calling, so everyone can understand, they're calling and saying, we will pay for you and all of your siblings to come to the United States and be educated at a college, mm-hmm. uh, an Adventist college. Yes. Um, which is amazing, right? It's, it's uh, one thing to have one person mm-hmm. get a scholarship or someone offers to help them through college, but right. they were saying, we will we'll pay for everyone. All of kids, we will pay for them. And keep in mind, the closest airport is 400 miles away. Okay. Now it's like, they are wrestling. Okay, how do we do? We can barely afford a bus ticket to the airport, much less airline ticket to America. So that's going on in everybody's mind. And my dad is like, yeah, oh, thank you for the offer. And he said, yes, yeah, so when can they leave? I will never forget that was like... Uh, December, second week of December. And uh, they said uh, school starts January 10th, something like that. So uh, we need to know uh, how soon can they leave? Are they able to leave in like three, four days to give them time to rest? And my dad is like now panicking. He said, no. I do not have money to buy airline tickets. Oh, no, no, we'll pay for airline tickets. So it's not like at the time, I have to show you, I have my airline ticket. It was like $4,000 at the time, 1992. Which is high, that's a lot of money. Yes, we're talking, uh, we didn't have any travelocity. We didn't have any of these uh travel agencies around so well, and and because it's not easy to get from malawi to the united states it's not like yeah. you can just go non-stop they are not direct flights exactly so you you are sitting there like oh wow now i'm sitting there i'm like oh this is like the judgment day my dad would have been asking, are you going back to school to retake your high school? I told him flat out, no. So he said, okay. So three kids from what we know took high school tests. He said, yeah, okay, we're sending three airline tickets. And my dad said, no, do it, failed his high school. So we don't <laughs> I'm like, man, so couldn't you just say yes? I could have gone to CTA. (laughs) (laughs) And CTA is a a high school, right? Connected to the college that we ended up going to. Yeah, 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 I could have, yeah, could have started from there just to be in America. And that was a motivation. 
So you're so two. Was... So so let me get this straight. So so Derwin and and Debbie, which are the two and next Debbie. So they ended up coming over then when that was January of what? Uh, January nineteen ninety three. Okay. Yeah, because this is happening ninety two. They are coming that spring semester ninety three. And yeah, so we got on the bus 400 miles to Lilongwe. Your dad has been to that airport. Yes, he has. <laughs> Maybe he knows a lot about that place. And yeah, I stood there and saw my brother and my sister getting on the KLM 747. Um, and you're not going, just right? Like, I'm I'm not going. I'm sad. I'm like, dang it. What would happen now? You know, it's like they got off and they flew off. I'm sitting there like, oh, I'm having my own come to Jesus talk. I say, hey, we'll see what happens. My dad just told my, we just called them grandparents in Texas that, uh, I failed my high school. Now I don't know what the future holds. And we went back home and uh, it took two days. We got a call confirming, yeah, Derwin and Debbie made it here safe. Are you able to talk to them? And I talked to my brother. All he said was, dude, the streets here, they are no potholes. And he couldn't, he, I say, what are you doing now? I'm watching college football, but they play with hands. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just like, wow. But at the end of that call, my grandparents say, hey, DeWitt's ticket is still available. It hasn't expired yet. It will expire in the next year. That was the time tickets used to expire. And uh, you let him know we still have a place for him. And, oh, I heard that. I told my dad, I'm going back to school. And I went back to school. Would for the next you... year. For the next yes, year, right? Okay. That following uh, January through June. Went back to school. So June... You take your high school test, July, August, results come around that time because school starts again in September. So you won't believe it. You need minimum six classes to pass. But uh, yeah, the curse of all curses, I failed again. And I said, no, this is not happening. So the previous school year, I failed all my classes and passed Chichewa. That's a class I passed. And what is that class? I made an A. That's my mother tongue language type class. So yeah, you have to be dumb to fail that class. (laughs) (laughs) The following year, I passed 
we were taking agriculture. I don't know if America teaches those in high school, but I had agriculture, history, English, science, biology. I passed those classes. You know what? I failed Chichewa. <laughs> <laughs> so imagine the frustration. So I said, dad was like, well, I don't know what else to do. You, we just have to tell your grandparents that uh, it didn't work out. I said, there's no way you're doing that. I know for sure if you take high school back to back, I didn't take a year off. I failed the previous year. I went to school the following year. They can take that class from the previous year and add it to this stack. Come on. He said, I've never heard about that. I said, I know it. I've done my research. Can you just allow me? And he went and uh, hesitantly did that. Do you know I was right? And he said, okay. And the call came. And he said, yeah, do it. He failed again. But what happened is we can combine the credits from the previous year to this year. And then um, he will be considered as a high school graduate. Oh, that's plenty enough. Let me call Keen and then we'll do that. And within hours, they said, okay, Keen has accepted him. Here's the I-20. We're going to fax it and do whatever so he can travel. Oh, my gosh, Mike, I, I was on cloud nine. <laughs> so, so what month was that? Do you remember? That would have been, I got here December. Of 93. 93. So. That would have been around December 12th. No, December 17th. So it was right before you came. Yes. Okay, so let me let me break in and go a couple of little backstory. So Derwin and Debbie, his younger siblings, they got there the previous year for second semester. And then I graduated from high school in 93. So now we can know ages of people here. So then I started at that same school. And this is Southwestern Adventist University in Keene, Texas. We'll talk about that location a little bit more later, possibly. I was and then, there so, last night. Yeah. So, so I get there in August of 93. Uh, Derwin and Debbie, his siblings, had been there for you know one semester. And then I remember Derwin, his brother saying oh my brother's coming in you know and this is right before christmas because we were going to come home at christmas time back i was going to come back to california because this mm-hmm. school's in texas and so then you get there like i say right before christmas in 1993 correct yes so i got to kin dead campus everybody's gone home well let me let me back up even before we get to keen yeah. What were your first thoughts? Do you remember? So you land, you're, you're in America. Yes. First time they pick you up at the airport to take you to Fort Worth because that's where your sponsors or grandparents, as we'll call them here, live. Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember like the first things you saw or what was amazing to you at that the point? The first thing was the highways. I'm seeing multiple lands, no potholes, like my brother noted. I say, wow. There's no dust. Uh, I got at I got here at night because I missed a flight 
in uh, uh, Shifo Airport. Skifo, okay. In Is it Shifo yeah. or Skipo? Skipo, yes, in Amsterdam, right? Amsterdam, yeah. Yeah, yeah I know that word better. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, I did... Uh, I, I, I missed a flight, Delta Airlines was supposed to connect me from KLM Delta to DFW. And I missed the first flight. So I, I arrived at night instead of daytime. So I went to bed and I woke up. The first thing I noticed, trees without leaves. I said, uh, what is going on in America? So I asked my grandmother, if I can water her trees because they were dry. <laughs> and uh, she said, no, it's called four season and winter, trees shed leaves. And uh, yeah, but spring right around March, they will start shooting back. So yeah, I went to Keen and there were just leaves all over. The campus was dead. So I'm asking my brother, where is everybody? I thought you said... Uh, they are students, it's just you and uh, my sister. He said, no, there are few people that are around like the, the Kentry Santos, a few friends from uh, Bahamas. Yeah, they were basically there Basically all the people out. who had come over from other countries, right? Because pretty much everybody else went home during Christmas. So it was essentially yeah. you, your brother, your sister, and then other yes. students that are from other countries that can't go home during break. Uh, yeah. So the way just sitting there. So I'm like, oh, okay. Said, yeah. So um, I had to get my own campus job and I was working uh, in the custodial department, cleaning the buildings, vacuuming. I will never forget at maybe center. Mrs. Morrison had asked me, oh, you're going to go vacuum uh, the maybe center so we got on a golf cart. I'm just like, what kind of car is this? And we went there with the vacuum cleaner in the back. I'm holding it. I'm like, oh, this is America. <laughs> we got to maybe center. And she said, yeah, let me open these rooms. Or you need a uh, Vacuum the hallways, the offices, make sure you take out trash because some of the staff are still working. So I'm doing that. I walked in the auditorium. I'm looking on the floor. All I'm seeing is chocolates, all kinds of candy. I said, this is not manna, but what is this? So it's like, hard candy all over kid cars and so kid cuts and stuff so i said uh, huh so i collected them and put a pile and when mrs morrison came i told i say somebody lost this uh, i i found this i don't know who this is and uh, i gave her back the candy and she said oh um they were having a Christmas farewell party. So they were spreading candy all over the auditorium. So that's what dropped on the floor. So yeah, you can trash that away. I said, trash candy? Say, yeah, you, you can put them in the trash can. 
I say no, my pockets will be trash can. <laughs> and yeah, I, I went, I went to my room, Mike, and uh, I had moment with that candy all <laughs> over. <laughs> See, these are stories I don't even yes. know because, you know, literally this is right after you get to campus, right? Like this is, yes. you know, we're not talking like, okay, you got to America and this is like five weeks later. This is right then because it's during Christmas break. And so you immediately start working. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if kids that go to college now, like I have no idea how colleges work as far as that goes. Right. But on the campus, when I was there, yeah. of course you, most students did some kind of on-campus job, especially if they were trying to pay for some of their education or they just wanted to have any kind of spending money. Uh, but yes. yeah, so so this brings us in. So we come back from Christmas break. That's my freshman year of college. And then at some point during that, like I said, I get back in January, I meet you. Mm-hmm. And I knew your brother and your sister already. And somehow, you know, over the next few months obviously we all had good friends but we started becoming friends and seeing each other and and there are so many funny things and you can tell already by having listened to a little bit of what DeWitt's saying just the way that you you speak because you guys learned English right it wasn't like you came over here not speaking English you had proper English from the beginning but you didn't have slang Mm -hmm. English and that's one of the hardest things for people to pick up so when yes. you first come, I remember you and your brother saying this, that you did what to help learn English? You were watching one specific TV show. Seinfeld. So and tell the story. Yeah, tell, yeah. That's, that's, uh, that's one show that every Thursday night would just sit in our room if we were in the library didn't matter where we were Thursday night it was time to go to our room sit and watch Jerry Seinfeld 30 minutes my goodness that was the best moments of my life just seeing how you know catching up with the sense of humor cause you know I used to watch uh Full House and stuff before Sandfield. Those are like the show. None, none of that clicked sense. A, it didn't make any sense at all. But as I advanced, this would be like maybe three, four years into. That's when. But prior to this, it was just like, oh man, uh, we we had uh, late night shows, those are the things that we were accustomed to watch. Uh, David Letterman, Jay Leno, uh, and our senior hall. It, it yeah. depends. Yeah, it depends who is stopping by our room. But for the most part, we used to watch David Letterman. And yeah, that was the coolest. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and what people I think don't realize sometimes is if you were going to another country, right? Cause we don't envision ourselves going to another country, but you come, you know, English, but to get used to just the whole lingo and how people talk and what slang is and, and all the different types in, in English is really difficult. And yeah, not to mention you're also in Texas where some of the people have heavy accents as well. Yes. When they talk. Yes. And oh my, that was uh worse. They, for the most part, everybody, it was like so fast to me. I had to 
I had to stop and say, what did they just say? But yeah, Bob Hadley, it was easy to conversate with Bob Hadley, late Bob Hadley. But uh, yeah, the, the rest, it was like, man, what did they just say? You know, so it's just like, I think the blessing on that from the get-go, we knew Steve Stafford was always around. And that was the men's oh, dean. That was the, the men's, men's dean. dean. Yeah. So him, we would conversate on daily basis. How are you doing? How are you adjusting? Are you feeling okay? Yeah. So that was like, oh man, I'm slowly transitioning. And uh, hey, what's going on? Hey, what's up? Uh, it took me a while to call him Steve. Because back where I'm from, you don't call people by their first name so i used to just say ah mr Stringfellow, i i have a question and he had to stop me all the time i say hey just say steve oh okay steve <laughs> <laughs> i mean there's so many things that you had to get used to right coming yes. over and one of the other things was when you came over that was in the height of the Dallas Cowboys being dominant in the NFL. Well, it was the Cowboys and 49ers essentially back in that that in that in era the of 90s. the 90s. Yes. And when you first came, you already mentioned you didn't know anything about American football initially, but yes. you got fully into it. Uh, do you remember how that first began? Yeah. So it just my grandparents were a diehard Cowboys fan. So they taught us how the plays, what they meant, just the general concept of it. Because I was just like, okay, so what's going on? I'm used to watching soccer and transitioning from soccer to football, football to basketball. Oh my gosh, that was, uh, it was like, hard to follow but then to me it was just fun when people are getting hit or slammed all over that was the entertaining aspect of it but to get first in 10 second in 10 those were like things that it took me a while to grasp why are they saying first in 10 or oh, fourth and inches and uh what does this stand for oh it's a safety. Oh, okay. You know, so it's like they had to bring like the books and show us, okay, this, when you see a ref doing this, this is what it means. And when they say this, when they do this, it's encroachment. So I said, ah, then I'm just like full-blown football fan. And I'm meeting you, a Niners fan. And ah, man, that was like, a very good thing to have like the rivalry. I'm like, so you like the Niners? Yeah, and then I'm meeting the Packers, then I'm meeting all, uh, our mate was like all over. I enjoyed uh, that aspect of meeting people from other states and ended up friends with them because Sunday was just a day when football games are going on. You can't see anybody walking around campus Sunday afternoons. Oh no. And, and you will see somebody in the cafeteria and 
Yeah, your team better not lose because it will be depressing the whole week. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I remember those days. Yeah. And now, now this, I want to touch on this before we get into other crazy, funny stories, because this is something I think that for anybody out there, it will help them understand that you cannot just have natural assumptions about people. Because here's the thing. DeWitt came over in 93. And of course, you still have your accent that you had your entire life, right? When you're speaking English. Yes. But the natural tendency, and this is for so many people, and it doesn't matter what language it is, whether it's Chichewa or, or any other, and when people speak with accents, mm-hmm. the natural assumption is, well, they don't actually know that much. Yes. Or, oh, they're not, they, they're not that bright. They aren't that they, articulate. They're not smart. Yes. Right. Yes. And, and we saw this happen a lot with sports. But it happens in just general things, right? Because yes. people would think, oh, does this guy know what he's talking about when it comes to football? And I knew after a few years, oh, yeah, like DeWitt knows everything about football and about basketball and all these different things and the terms. Mm-hmm. And just from that, it was hard because you could tell, right, that people would be like, oh, yeah, whatever, whatever. Like they yes. just don't think you actually understand. So do you remember moments, and it doesn't have to be with sports, but moments where, you knew people thought just because you have an accent, okay, that you I'm actually don't know. Completely written off. Yes, I've had ample, you know, starting from day one to the point I am. So yeah, it's been a struggle because um, you have to think it's 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 rather hard on my side of it but do you how do you go about processing that it's difficult you know i can use our buddy dirk nervisky he has a german accent but he's polished his basketball skill to where he's like the darling of the nba okay but if I were to be at the same platform, I'll be the most fervent. Maybe after this uh, uh, radio show, I'll be a popular guy. I know that. But <laughs> hey, you know, the struggles I had starting from Keen, it's like, uh, you remember, I, I came there as a broadcasting major. Yes. We're coming from Malawi where there were no televisions because the former president did not like televisions and it was almost like a crime. So people would come over, those who are well-to-do, they'll come overseas, buy a VCR, a TV set and go home and watch VHS. But you have to be rich to do that. My parents couldn't afford a radio. We were so poor, Michael, uh, growing up, we, we, were, uh, we would have, we would dry uh, radio batteries in the sun. We'll hear, oh, there's a show coming, but the batteries are dying. So we have to put them in the sun. Some told us that putting the dead batteries in the sun recharges them. So this was before rechargeable battery uh, people uh, figured it out. We used to dry them in the sun 
And when that radio show comes up, we'll put the batteries turned on the music. So we'll listen to Michael Jackson songs, Whitney Houston songs, and uh, you can tell, okay, the batteries are getting weak. So we have to go dry them up before sunset because during prime time, they were the oldies. It's how today I love the Beatles because my dad used to listen to the Beatles and he would tell us, oh yeah, this is, so it's like a special program, if you may say, the oldies. Right. Okay? So uh, you, you, you got uh, a time you're listening to the oldies, but we were so poor, we kind of knew those things. Okay. And the one thing that I remember growing up, we used to listen to tab dancers on the radio. Really? Yes. So it's like my dad would have been to India with the to take leprosy courses. And he got a little exposure on some of the Western culture. And he told us about tab dancing a lot. And each time they will play those songs on the radio, you hear people tapping on the radio. You can see them, but they'll say, yeah, they are tap dancing. Tap dancing, yeah, how, what is that? And he will explain, how does that go? And he will tell us. And Lidler in my mind, I'm convinced I am, I can do tap dancing. I got to America, I'm watching channel 13. I'm seeing, the actual live show on channel 13 PBS, tap dancers are tapping. And I got to America, I'm like, oh man, this is fun, but I couldn't tap nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, this is the reality. So things that you're hearing on the radio, seeing Michael Jackson on TV, seeing Whitney Houston on TV, Paul McCartney with the Beatles. I said, yeah, we used to hear that on the radio. That's who he is. So I'm motivated now to do broadcasting. And yeah, we'll talk later about that. But I started the journey as a broadcasting major because I wanted to be on TV or work on the radio station. Unfortunately, uh, that didn't work out. <laughs> so, but yeah, so, and I think that it just for people to understand, like to not have notions that when they meet someone from another country, in your case, right, where you come over, yeah, to 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 somehow get past the fact that just because you speak differently, just because. Yes your your actual words you're using might not be words that people learned here in English because it wasn't proper English yes. doesn't mean that someone is any more or less smart and that is something that I think happens from young age right like middle school high school age people mm -hmm. think that and that happens still today and you mentioned that it still happens in mm -hmm. your life now and you've been in Texas now for man way over 25 years yeah and and you haven't Close left 30 yeah. yeah you haven't left so and that was the other thing so dewitt came to texas in 93 and he mm -hmm. still lives there now and yes. uh three of his him and two of his other siblings still live in texas one of them lives out in california yeah but it's an amazing story no matter what the fact that 
you and three siblings all came to America. You had college paid for by a family out of the kindness of their, your, their hearts that mm-hmm. they met your parents when your parents, as you talked about at the very beginning, mm-hmm. made them rice and, and eggs, right? Is what you said. Yes. Just rice yes. and eggs. Rice they and scrambled eggs. Yes. And it's crazy that that led to you guys getting over here. So mm-hmm. we meet in college. We go through the next few years together, like around each other here and there. And one thing that I quickly, I, I maybe not quickly, when we were in college, we laughed at everything and we still laugh at everything. Always. But <laughs> for some reason, our senses of humor matched up. I don't remember the first time meeting you. Like, I don't remember. I can't remember like one specific time. I don't know if you remember the very specific time. I do. Oh, yeah. Cause okay. uh, it's like uh, you know I'm on campus, right? And people are slowly coming back for spring semester. So I'm looking at, and my brother, we're sitting in the cafeteria, and you walked in wearing this bright yellow hoodie, and was yellow, green, one or the other, and. You you are wearing these thick black eyeglasses, a very weird haircut. <laughs> and by the time I had told my brother, I'm determined because cleaning buildings on campus, I used to frequent the KJCR, the radio station. That was a college campus. radio station, right? Yes. So... My brother say, yeah, that's Mike on. He's a broadcasting major. So I'm like, oh, I'll make sure I, I get to meet him because essentially he'll be my classmate. He said, yes. So yeah, so I, I do remember. And it's like, you came and you sat next to us with, with your roommate at the time, uh, Dr. Sidney Bean. Oh, yeah. I, I can't believe I'm saying Dr. Sidney Bean. But yeah, you're sitting with them and you're talking to us. And at that point, Darwin said, Yeah, this is my brother. And he introduced me to you and Sidney Bean. So I'm like, Oh my gosh. Uh, finally, said, Yeah. So we would go, Hey, what's up? What's up? What's going on? And that was it. You know, and you are like a class or two ahead of me. So the, the mass communication courses, the general classes, um, you would have taken those. So I don't think we were classmates at any point, but outside classes, we just ended up being because, yeah, when, uh, when I was uh, out there, when Darwin say, yeah, if you want broadcasting, uh, I suggest maybe uh, you you get to know who the people, because my brother is trying to tell me, dude, you are dumb, so make sure you pair up with the smart kids on campus. So Mike is one of them that you, you got to meet up and talk to him every time, because he is a smart broadcasting major. And I remember going to the radio station, you had a picture on the wall as a, was a production manager or something like that? Uh, well, well, not, not that first year, but yeah. So I worked at the college radio station. It was a Christian music station for yeah. all four years I was in college. The, my sophomore through senior year, I was the program director. 
So it would yeah. have been that. So that would have had to be my sophomore year. Yes. Um, but yeah, and at the station, they had pictures of all the students that worked at the station Radio during State. that those years. Yes. So you'd have your picture up there. Uh, so no, that was like an inspiration to me. I'm like, oh my word, uh, this is somebody I know. And yeah, so it's just going like, uh, I'm officially broadcasting major. And uh, I will never forget, I went to the uh, advisor then. I don't know if I should mention his name. Just but, say the advisor. <laughs> uh, yeah, the advisor. And uh, uh, this is now at the registration because I wouldn't have met him prior to this. So there was one way of me trying to navigate my way in college was to take general studies. General studies would just make me accumulate all kinds of hours. And then I'll end up saying, hmm, I feel okay being a, a theology major because my dad on the day I left Malawi, he had said, my son, when you get to Keen, I want you to be a theology major. And theology majors, in case you don't know, that means essentially you're going to try to be be a pastor or or a preacher, right? Yes. And I remember the first time DeWitt told me this, like years later, and I started laughing really loudly. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, because that whole conversation comes as he's going through my passport. So he's holding my passport and he said, son, when you get to America, I want you to grab a, uh, a bulletin and just see for that semester what courses are being offered for religion and because uh, uh, I really want you to be a theology major. At that point, I say, if I said, if I flight out said no, he may hold my passport pass uh, hostage. I may, not, <laughs> I may not catch the flight. So I promised him. I say, hey, sure, you got it. Soon as I get to Keen, I will register to be a theology major. He said, thank you, because I've wanted to have a son who is a pastor. And I think God called you for this reason to move to America so you can be a pastor. I'm like, yeah, we'll, we'll do that. Yeah. <laughs> so I get here, I got a change of mind. And we went broadcasting major. And uh, I'm, I'm thinking, hey, the radio station is for kids. And uh, essentially, we ended up having Channel 60 on campus, a TV station. I don't know if it's still operational, but uh, yeah. Needless to say, as I was on that journey, one day I was just called to the advisor's office and he said, uh, so uh, what do you think about uh, broadcasting? I said, hey, my desire is to be on air. He said, no, what you need to do is to buy a tape recorder because you're not getting on KJCR. Buy a tape recorder and go in the library, grab a Fortress Star telegram, and just read a paragraph for me. I will critique you from that point. But you do have a good handwriting. We just uh, don't think uh, you can get on the radio station. 
I was like, oh, wow. And uh, not too long after that, we had another meeting and he said, no, uh, broadcasting major is not your thing. I, I think you need to consider dropping out. So I got talked out of my dream because my desire was to take over late Larry King's position at <laughs> CNN. <laughs> Oh, goodness. Yes. So, so then what did you do right? Okay. What I can't remember is what did you go to right after that? I remember when you said that the advisor said, no, you, you yes. broadcasting is not the answer. The advisor flat out said that. And uh, he was kind enough to tell me it's your accent. Uh, you will scare the community. Uh <laughs> 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 but prior to that, you remember you were calling nights, basketball nights uh, on radio station. And well, what, you that would be my junior year, though. That's later. yes. Yes. Okay. So it's going hand in hand with that time frame. And you you had asked me to just do a recap and I got on air. And oh, my gosh, the following Monday. Uh, yes, it felt like FBI is coming to my room to ransack and, and I was like, oh, uh, Mike just got me in trouble, but yeah, so mixed opinions on that. Another teacher said, this is an institution where kids get to learn. So I don't think, uh, you did anything wrong. But if you want to do TV production, come to my class. I'll let you do whatever you need. I say, oh. But anyway, I ended up dropping because I just didn't feel like this advisor was uh, in there to have much interest for me to advance or to coach me the way I needed to. Yeah, I may have had... Uh, issues maybe adjusting to American education system but I just thought that was like the biggest reality to where I say no uh, if I had talked like any average person I would have still be there hanging out with uh, uh, was a uh, Jerry yeah it's Jerry was one of the people there at the radio station. Jerry Richard, L yes. Jerry Richards. Uh, Larry was another guy that uh, I ended up meeting and working with. These Stephen. are all names, yes. From yes. These are names I haven't thought of or heard of in a long, long time. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah. So that was the way I, I had to just ended up going to yeah, it bothered my uh, grandparents, but I never told them this is what happened because essentially I got talked into dropping my major. And I started uh, studying business with uh, Dr. Jerry Chi. You, you remember Dr. Jerry from Taiwan. I do remember. I never had class from him. Yes. Now, how yeah, was that? So, so, okay, so here's, here's another question, right? Mm -hmm. So... You come from Malawi, you have an accent, you're in Texas, going to school at a college where yes. there's a lot of people who have Texas accents, and then you're yes. taking class from someone from China. China. 
with another was, accent. Yes, there was China. I had one from Dominican Republic. So it's just like, oh, I'm overwhelmed because it's like, I understand what they are trying to make me do, but in the process, I was always like, am I doing this right? But when it comes to my test and stuff, I was making the grades, but sitting through the lecture and stuff, it was like, oh man, this is, this is a good thing, but the blessing in it, they remained supportive throughout the semester. You know, it was, uh, <clears throat> I, I did enjoy them a lot because, yeah, it's just like uh, Dr. Jerry Chi, there was always an extra mile that he demanded me to go and I wasn't willing to do it. And he would say, if you can do this and I can tell you now, you will never have PhD. I said, Dr. Chi, PhD, I, I'm only trying to get bachelors. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so it's just like, yeah, you have to do this now and you'll be able to get PhD. If you can do your graphs like this, you will never get a PhD. So I'm just like, wow, I have bachelor's degree i still need to do uh masters. masters and you're telling me phd i'm just a junior in college <laughs> talk okay. about inspiration yeah okay now this this takes us to where i want to focus on next so at the school so Keene is about 30 20 miles from fort worth yeah. About 30 from Arlington, 40 or so from Dallas. So from Dallas, Fort Worth Airport to where we went to school at is about 45 or so minutes. Mm -hmm. Now, here's a job that people may not realize that all small colleges did back in those days, and I'm sure they still do now, is they would have to have autos and vehicles to get students to and from the school to the airport if they were coming to visit. Right. Yes. If people were going to come look at a college, especially for small colleges, which we were one of those, they would have to be able, okay, well, we're going to give you a shuttle from the airport to the college. Mm -hmm. But when they say shuttle, what they actually mean is it's going to be a student who's going to bring a car or vehicle or a van, if there's a lot of people, and yes. drive you to the school. And then after you do your visit, whether it's a weekend or a day or two or three, then they'll drive you back to the airport when you need to go back. Because otherwise, yes. they wouldn't be able to get people to come visit the school. Yes. So you and your brother somehow ended up being these drivers for, for multiple years. Explain for, how that came about. Yes. Before we even get started with the story, how did this come about? I, I can tell you, this is before 9-11. For okay, sure. This is, yes. Yeah. <laughs> this is how crazy things were. Airports were just like... Uh, a restaurant okay i hated the fact but it's for the good measure that there's that much security today because what happened on 9 11 is always painful to those of us who witnessed it so yeah no hard feelings on that but we are reversing the times here 
where you can just walk to the terminal and do whatever, or you can just lounge and just watch airplanes. I used to do that a lot in my quiet moments, but it started with uh, Victor Brown. I'll and, mention his name, the yeah, assistant so he, recruiter. Yeah, yeah, he was in the recruiting office. He was the he was the head recruiter at that yes. time. So the recruitment office for our school, and yes. then so he would be the one who would know when people were coming in to visit the school. Yes. So then, okay, so take us next. Cause, Let's, yeah, cause he was all over South America and just say, hey, so and so is coming. But one day, Victor Brown, I don't know where he was he called his secretary and said, the cheapest ticket I got, I had to fly out of Austin, but I've gone to all these countries. I am too tired to land in Dallas and fly to Austin to pick up my car and drive up to King. So he didn't know what to do. I don't want to spend the night in Austin. I'm too tired. When this airplane lands in Dallas, I just want to go back to Keene. So I say, yeah, we all know what happens when you are away from your wife. You got to go home, but be around home, enjoy some home-cooked food. Anyway, the plan I plotted with Victor, I've never said it before, but uh, if he was here, he would tell you, this is not a joke. It's a true story. Okay. So Victor Brown had told Tina. That was said, his secretary. The secretary said, um, do any, are any of those Nkumba brothers around? Darwin wasn't there. And when Tina called me, she said, hey, is Derwin there? I said, no, Derwin is not here. What's going on? Ah, there's something that I need to talk to him. I need him to pick up a car from the airport. So I said, oh, okay. Are you able to do that? Do you know why she asked for Derwin? Because Derwin had a driver's license. <laughs> I did not have a driver's license. So... I offered my help. I say, hey, I'll be a good Samaritan. I'll help you in any way you want. He said, okay, come on up. We're going to drive to the airport and meet Victor Brown. We're driving to airport, Tina and I, and now she's telling me the plan. She said, soon as Victor gets out of the airplane, he's going to be to Terminal 12. So he's getting out of terminal A, gate eight, and you go to 12, and he's supposed to go to Austin. So my heart stopped pumping, Mike. It's 7 p.m., okay? And I said, you say what? He said, yeah, so this is what Victor wants to do. He will give you his boarding pass. You didn't need a license because this is before 9-11, right, right? Right, So he will hand you his boarding pass. And when it's time to get on the airplane, you will fly to Austin, pick up his car and drive it to Keene. 
Oh, I had no, I have never I heard said, this story before. No, man, true story. So we were, I, I'm nervous. I say geographically, I know where Austin, Texas is. <laughs> Right. It's it's two hours. It's from from Keene. Two, and, cool. a it's half two half and a half hours. hours. Yeah. Yes. So I say I know where Austin is, but I'm praying. How do I end up to Keene from Austin? Do I take 35 South or do I go 35 North? <laughs> I know it's 35. Is it 35 W? Say yeah. So in all my mind, man, all I'm visualizing. It's that weather maps on local TV channel where they just show traffic highways. So I say, this is going to be interesting. What if I end up on a one-way route and cause a head-on collision? I just committed to this, Lord. I have no license. So, hey, uh, Victor Brown got out and he had my uh, his arms over my shoulder and Tina Botsford and we walking and he's he's yeah keep 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 your boarding pass yeah just keep it keep it he used to call me big D big D here's your boarding pass so he hands me his boarding pass so he says yeah it's a uh, 12a just pay attention you know why he's saying pay attention at the time, they didn't have the boards around the airport. You have to listen if there are gate changes. So I'm listening and I walk to 12A. Lo and behold, I ask, is this where we're connecting to Austin? They say, yes, okay. I'm sitting there. I had no cash on me. And Victor didn't think about saying, hey, if you need at least a soda or here. No, he's just assuming. But he said, we are going to adjust your time card for all this stuff. Oh, okay. I flew to Austin, Texas. Victor said, when you get there, I parked on the southwest corner of the airport. I was wondering I, about that. I was like, how, how in the world were you going to know where he parked? Yes. He just said Southwest corner. Meanwhile, you've never, been to, you've never been to Austin. Austin. Ever. I just hear. Yeah. Well, my grandfather worked in Austin, but I've never been to Austin, much less to the airport. <laughs> so he's saying Southwest corner of the parking lot. I go there. I say, Victor Brown, that could have been my cast with the way of casting. <laughs> There's like this parking garage and I say southwest corner of this, somewhere here's Victor Brown's car. And then he said, the back door, all doors are locked, but the back passenger door, the keys are under the floor mat. What? I said, okay, <laughs> this is about to go bad. So, hey, I'm like, I don't care. This is my, my plane ride. Uh, whatever happens, 
My life, God, is in your hands. I flew Mike from DFW to Austin, Texas. That plane, we left at uh, 7 p.m., I would like to think. And we made it to Austin right around 7.30, 7.45. Then I started looking for Victor Brown's car, southwest corner of the parking lot. And I'm walking aisle to aisle. Now I'm being like, people might be looking at me suspiciously thinking, this guy, what is he doing? I'm looking, I said, you know how every now and then you just see a new car on campus for this school? Right. And what Victor didn't tell me was, did he drive his personal car to Austin or was this a school car? Oh my gosh. So I'm looking, walking, touching, back right door, back right door. And Two hours later, (laughs) two hours later, I found the back right door open. There are no keys under the floor mat. So I say, okay, Victor Brown, uh, I do not know. I can't. uh, I had the blessing of calling the toll-free number from Austin, but I said, Worst case scenario, Victor may have to find a way because I may have to sleep somewhere because I couldn't find the keys. I looked all over the car and I opened the glove box. It was open. I'm thinking maybe I got somebody's uh, car. Maybe I'm in the wrong car. I opened the glove box. Sure enough, I found the insurance card with the key address. I say, oh, I'm in the right car. Do you know where the keys were? In the, in prior, in the, where they're supposed to be to start the car, right? On the ignition. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. He left the keys on the ignition. By this time, it's pitch dark outside. How do I get to Keen from here? So I just started the car. And I'm like, okay, if I'm right, Austin is south of Keen. So if I'm trying to do whatever it takes, let me just go north. If I hit Dallas or whatever, I'll figure it there whenever I get there. And I started off. And uh, now, you know, my other panic is this time of the day, it's dark night. Who's going to be out there? Uh, The police, the state troopers. I have no driver's license on me because I wasn't licensed to drive at the time. So anyway, I'm driving, made it all the way. I say, okay, I've heard about Hillsboro and I'm driving. I started seeing 
Dallas, 52 miles. Fort Worth, 64 miles. I say, oh, okay, I'm heading the right direction. <laughs> what happens next is there's a split 35W and 35E. 35W is what I would have stayed on, but I took 35E. I ended up in Mesquite, Texas. <laughs> so now I'm like, okay, I see 20, but I'm confused because I made 35E. I got into 20. I said 20, Fort Worth. And I ended up going the opposite direction. So I'm going and the gas light comes on. And then I started panicking and praying. I said, no, this car better make it to King. <laughs> and I quickly made a turn. I'll never forget. I pulled up at the gas station and I told this guy in the gas station, he says, sorry, we are closed. He's talking to me behind the glass because it's late after, at night. Yeah, he cannot open. So I said, look, I need gas, but I do not have money. He said, where are you going? I said, I'm going to Johnson County, Keene, Texas. He said, man, well, where are you going? I said, I got lost. I'm driving. So he's hearing my accent. And he said, well, what are you in town for? So I just told him, I said, hey, I, I just, I'm lost. I'm going to Keene. Oh, okay. And he gave me gas enough to make it to Keene. And he said, do you know your way to Kin from here? If you keep going this way, go east, go west. You gotta get on 67. 67 will take you all to these little towns. I know where Johnson County should be there in Kin. I said, oh, okay. But in my mind, I said, no, I'm just gonna go all the way to Fort Worth. And then it will be easier for me to navigate my way to Kin. But yeah, that's a true story. Victor Brown, I had to help him out, but boy, uh, he had put me in a very suspense situation. <laughs> that is unbelievable. <laughs> like, okay, all the crazy stories I know that have happened to you or that we've talked about, I've never heard that story. Yeah, and, no. I... And mind you, if we just wrote down what happened, the, the recruiter of the college asked you to ride on the plane as him to mm -hmm. Austin, Texas, so you could bring his car back. You don't have a license. You yes. hadn't been in the United States for very long at that point. Yes. And you're supposed to then find his vehicle with mm -hmm. the keys that happen to still be in the ignition to yeah. drive back from Austin to... It's There's so many just little things from that story that are completely insane. And <laughs> that's what makes it awesome. That's what makes it awesome. Yes. You'd have to meet whenever you meet Vic. Uh, each time I have, I say, I wonder if he remembers this story, but that was like one of the most solo drive, if I may add, that I did in America, figuring out how to drive back to Keene after flying from Dallas to Austin as Victor Brown. <laughs> <laughs> That story, story is complete. Well, I I know it's true. I just I I can't believe I'd never even heard it before. Okay, <laughs> so now we talked about the first time you ever drove. 
mm-hmm. you know, coming back from Austin. Yes. But then after that point, you didn't have a license, but you yes. and Derwin were still driving and then helping bring people back and forth to the college. Is that what happened after that? Yes. So now that was like my interview or segue into uh, being a school driver, you know. So anytime there's like so-and-so is coming, um, I've uh, taken, uh, uh, picked up uh, Jose Rojas from the airport and dropped him off. So it's just like, hey, we have somebody coming in. And the benefit of this is if you pick up a car on Friday, it's yours throughout the weekend until Monday. So, <laughs> yeah, I yes. was going to hit on this. So I was going to hit on that, what you just said. So once again, yes. so if they had you pick someone up on Friday or even Saturday, you yes. would get the car on Friday, but you yes. didn't have to have it back till Monday. Monday. So technically, because all the people coming in for college visiting campus weekend was feasible for them to do so. So it's going to come in a Friday afternoon at noon. There's somebody coming in at four and there's another one coming in at six. So I'm just making that if you run out of gas, you can go at the uh, gas station, put in more gas and uh, tell them it's for the school and that's it. So yeah, that's how now I'm uh, growing a list of my friends because every time I pick up somebody, I ended up being friends with them because essentially they were attend keen, excuse me. And uh, that's how we were ending up meeting people. I do remember Michelle Trevino. Uh, What's her new name these days? I don't even know, actually. Yeah, yeah. So, sorry, Michelle, but uh, you didn't invite us to your wedding. (laughs) But, okay. So, when you would pick up, so, hold on. So, when you would pick somebody up and you'd take them back to the school, okay, so that's Friday evening, say. And then they aren't leaving again till Sunday. So, then Mm -hmm. now you have the vehicle for the rest of the weekend. Yes. So, we can go to the movies, whatever. I'm just like, hey. I have my own car because at night, unless I don't think there was ever anybody who said, hey, uh, we would like for a ride uh, to Hooters in downtown Dallas. (laughs) (laughs) Not the Adventist, I know, but (laughs) yeah, but it's literally like once they're on campus, they were there, but if I'm needed for anything, They'll call my room, leave a message wherever I am. I'll call my room, check messages. But yeah, it was like, I won't hear from them. I have the car for the weekend. So I would have a lot of fun with it. Just drive all over and just enjoying life. And by this time, I'm still not licensed. Yeah, that was my next question. Okay, yeah. so you don't have a license. Yeah. Do they, do they know this or who? I do not think uh, if they Or they know just that, didn't pay attention to it. They, they will didn't. find out today because over <laughs> these days, they asked me to drive the school car. They didn't say you have license and insurance. No, insurance is in the glove box if you are pulled over and that was it. So 
this one time uh, uh it snowed mike <laughs> yes okay it doesn't snow okay so this is a story i definitely wanted to hit on it doesn't snow a lot in texas but usually at least once a winter there will yes. be some snow and sometimes yes. it will accumulate and in texas people have a really hard time well, they have an insanely hard time driving in snow and ice because it's very slippery, but many people in Texas have trucks, so they think they can handle it, and they spin out, and all kinds of crazy stuff happens. So, yes. so go ahead. It snows one time, and you one have day. one of the vehicles. Yeah, I will never forget. I was telling you about Jose Rojas. He had come to preach that weekend, so I picked him up on um, Friday night, and we went to... Uh, we went to school and picked, dropped him off at uh, on Sunday morning. On our way to the airport, he looked around and said, today you're going to have snow. I said, we'll have snow. He said, yes, I'm from, uh, I'm from Maryland. I know when it will snow. I'm like, oh, okay. So I'm driving, but as we approach the airport, yes, it started snowing, he said. I told you it was snow. I dropped him off on my way back. Snow at this point is slowly accumulating because it was sub freezing temperatures. And so it's slowly accumulating on the highways. And I'm going back to Keen. I took that exit to Keen. And oh man, I just spinned out of control and ended up in this grass. I went and called uh, the school. At the, there was a gas station soon as you exit. Right there, right. Yeah, so I called the school and they said, um, Victor answered. He said, is the car okay? I say, yeah, the car is okay, but uh, I'm doing okay also. He said, oh yeah, I'm glad you're doing okay. Uh, I'm sending Larson and he'll pull you out of there. And I didn't wait by 20 minutes. Larson came with his tow truck. He pulled it. And we drove to Keen. I followed him. It's Sunday afternoon. The car is due Monday morning. So snow didn't let down. It just kept on snowing the whole time. It accumulated. I've never seen that much snow in my life in Keene. Uh, so I'm in the library that night. I said uh, to your brother, Kevin, Kevin was like, man, let me run to my room. I say, hey, I have a car. I can drop you off. <laughs> and Kevin said, what? He said, yeah. So he said, let's go have fun with this. So we got on the car, library parking lot. I'm going there. It's like it's a big I, parking lot, and it's essentially yes. empty on the weekends because the library is not. No it's, one, no one has a car that's over there. Yeah. So I'm driving, and I said, "Huh, maybe this is where I turn, cause I can barely see the curbs and stuff, cause snow has just leveled all that up." So next, I'm like, hmm, I'm approaching this radio station, the building before radio station. I don't know what the building was. 
It was the TV right. station. Well, it was where they had a classrooms and there was like a, the, that yes, was a TV station. Yes, and the advancement office, I think yeah. they were there. Yeah. So I'm like, Lord, this car may end up in that building because <laughs> the, there's too much gas I applied and I turned the, the wheels. And next, we're going sideways and the car is still moving towards the building. <laughs> and next, I just felt like this thing going. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Kevin says, everything okay? I say, yeah, I think uh, everything is okay. I kept on driving and uh, I dropped him off at my hall. I'm being arrogant to check and see if the car is okay. I say, it's okay. And I drove back to Hamilton Hall, men's dorm, parked. I went in the room like nothing happened. I sat there and I said, huh, maybe I should just drop the car right there where the school parks their cars. I did that in that afternoon, Monday afternoon, Victor said, hey, Big D, you have the car keys? I say, I dropped them off in there. Oh, here they are. And he called me 20 minutes. What happened to the tires? <laughs> so I said, uh, um, I don't know what happened. One is flat and one has a bulging side. Come look. So I went and looked. I want you to change that tire and take that car to Larson. And so I drove to Larson and Larson said, both of these rims are bent. They are damaged. They need to be replaced. And Victor said, would you like to tell me what happened? I said, I, you told me the car was fine, but what happened? I didn't tell him that uh, when I lost track I said, maybe when I lost control earlier in the day, and Larson said, but if you ran in the grass, there's no way you can damage the rims this bad because the axle is a little off. Uh, something else may have happened to this car. I'm sitting there like I didn't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm changing the tire, and who shows up? Kevin. <laughs> well, not only that, I, so I drove by because this was my senior year. So this is like a couple years later. So this is my senior year. If my brother was at the same college I was and we were rooming together. So I didn't know the story from the night before. I see you changing the tire out in front of Hamilton Hall. And I'm like, what in the world? <laughs> and so then I tell Kevin and he's like laughing or whatever. So, cause I didn't initially know that story. Then later he told me and I was like, Oh, Dwight was fixing the tire out in front of the door. <laughs> but this is just a small, small thing, you know, because eventually you did have your driver's license. But the fact mm -hmm. that you and your brother for years, now your Derwin did have his license, but for, yes. for years, you guys were driving, you would have vehicles on the weekend. Mm -hmm. I mean, you had access to go places. It was just quite a time. And it was different yes. times because we didn't have cell, cell phones weren't a thing back then. Not no. yet. So once when you were out of sight, you were out of mind. Like you people weren't they won't know where you are. And do you know that one time uh, there was uh, somebody coming from Modesto? 
they couldn't let you use the van because you were considered a minor at the time. So they ended up giving me a van and we went and picked up the students from Modesto visiting. It was for a bas yeah, for a basketball tournament. Basketball tournament. Yeah, I remember that. So I was like, oh my, uh, I'm doing all this, no license. If I crash this van, uh, man, this is bad. <laughs> but no, God saved us. And hey, we're talking about it today. Nothing bad happened. That's true. Although some people are kind of trying to find out, find out about this now and go, what in the, oh yeah, what? it was a long time ago, guys. Yeah, 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 the statue limitations is gone, it's out. You okay, can persecute me. <laughs> now, a couple of funny stories, because here's something else that happened. And I remember you telling me this story and I can't remember the exact specifics from it, but it had something to do with, because DeWitt had so many crazy things happen to him, but it's something to do with orange juice and that it was <laughs> what's the orange juice story you poured <laughs> oh man you know there's uh one thing that uh, it's I coming can... back to me right now it's coming back to I, me. you don't I have to can... go into detail yeah i can but... confess to the world <sighs> this is something my dad before i left he said no i need you to start terming your temper because son you are short-tempered but i guess i, I don't see it whenever until you know it was very easy you push that button man i'll let you have it yes but uh I, I cannot tell you how many times my brother has been around and just seeing me beating up people in the hamilton hall he said dude you know you can get deported i said i don't <laughs> care <laughs> he started it i don't care but this one time, it was one of those he say, she say. And I ended up getting wrapped in this. So I'm like, hmm. Well, uh, a conversation that was discussed here ended up going to this girl. And this girl didn't take things too well. And she kind of sent me... Uh, an email through Cosmic, you know, the Telnet email school. Old school, email. old school and, email. Yeah. And, and it's like, uh, please try not to uh, take, take my name out of your mouth. So I was like, what happened? So I'm approaching her. I heard you see, you are telling about uh, uh, whatever I was being uh, accused of. Um, I said, oh, yeah. So a weirdly thing happened. This girl may have forgotten to clock out and Daryl Haney found out. So he was just like, hey, if you're going to be doing this, we won't be around each other. I, I need honesty. If you're leaving the office, clock out. This is okay. the this is the office that you worked at on campus. Yeah. In addition so, to the vehicles. This is different. Yes. So it's just the little multiple jobs I had on campus. So I found funny when how Henny's approach to the whole thing. And I'm thinking I can tell this friend of mine, and I didn't know this story will make it back to this girl, and she jumped on me. So I'm like. Hmm. Now I look like a fool. I'm sitting in the cafeteria 
And I, I said, dude, but I, I didn't expect you to take that conversation back to her. I thought it was just something we're having between us. And he said, no, if you brought up her name, I had to go ask her. I said, Radu, uh, you didn't have to go ask. You, you just had to keep that yourself. That was two boys talking, but I didn't know it would be. But, uh, but I still had to ask if that was true. I said, yeah, but you know, I wish you had asked me, hey, is it okay if I go ask her about what happened? I would have said, no, maybe you shouldn't. But now I feel like uh, I feel horrible about this whole thing. And so he's escalating it instead of uh, in the cafeteria, and, in, the, yeah, in the school cafeteria. We, yes. So we were breaking bread in the cafeteria. And I said, uh, so it seems like he's the one getting agitated. And he's sucking me in the, into his emotional world. So I'm like, hey, uh, I, I just wish you hadn't done that. That's all I'm saying. I'm not denying saying that. But the moment you took this conversation you and I had and took it to her, I, I feel like horrible. And he leans to me and say, did you or did you not say that? <laughs> The rest is history. I had a cup full of orange juice. I spilled it in his face. And yeah, that was like, my sister saw that. And my brother was there. He got quiet. The Asian community on in Keen kind of stopped talking to me. And yeah, I feel like OJ Simpson. Oh, no. <laughs> oh. Yeah. So it's like Mrs. Cooper saw the whole thing. This is the lady who ran the cafeteria. The cafeteria. Like she worked at the front desk. You know why we used to do a Mrs. Cooper, Darwin and I? We used to call the cafeteria and we'll say, Can I speak to Mel Gibson? And she would page, Mel Gibson, you have a phone call, Mel Gibson. And we would hang up 20 minutes later, we'll call. Can I speak to Sylvester Stallone? Sylvester Stallone, you have a phone call, Sylvester Stallone. (laughs) I feel horrible looking back (laughs) at those days. But Mrs. Cooper called for Justin Kurtz. She said, um, I need you to break a fight. I said, we were not fighting. I was just washing him up with orange juice. We're done. <laughs> oh. Yes. So that was uh, part of the little things that on campus, I today I think I do well containing, containing my short temper. Because those who knew me at the time, they know uh, when I unleash it, it was hell on earth. <laughs> uh, and I have, I have been around. We, we aren't even going to go into those stories, but we, we talked a, a little bit. 
that we have so many things that we want to get to, like stories that that happened to us together. That yes. we're definitely going to have. It'll be in two parts. This for for sure be in two parts. But I have seen all ranges of Dewitt, and of course, when he was younger, when he did come over, he did have a temper, but he wouldn't. You know, it's not like you would fly off the hook right away. But if <laughs> if somebody pushed the buttons and kept on pushing them, you would go from zero to like a hundred and fifty really fast. <laughs> Yes, like so, that one time, man. Yeah, well, there was I, one time, yes. I look back, I say, I did my bad. Because, <laughs> you know, I was supposed to work in the guy's dorm, your assistant dean. And at the time, Haney wanted me to work at the pool. So I'm like, wow, summertime? Swimming pool is the nice place to be. Why am I doing in the middle hall answering calls? So I left. So apparently Stafford had asked who is working front desk. And you say, I think do it is. And you came, do it. Well, what? So you're talking like, not like a friend, but as assistant Dean. Oh, this is, and this is the only time I think we ever really argued. Actually, yes. not even we didn't, didn't even argue. No, it, was it just, wasn't, but yeah. it was like, why am I doing this to my cause? You're like, dude, you agreed. So take ownership on this and just be there. If you had other obligations, all you needed to do was saying, sorry, I have to be somewhere. But I'm like, dude, so why are, and all you do, I do. That's not what I'm trying to say. Listen to me. <laughs> but oh. I was like, oh, man. But yeah, you know, it's like any given day, you know, oh, my gosh, I, I, I would just uh, lose it. It's like this. is okay. OK, so we have one more story for today or for this, this part. And I thought about this. This is the one I wanted to remind you of. These are yeah. all different times or whatever. Yeah. So there was a, a coach Baldwin who was on campus and he lived at this house and he was moving. He had gotten married. So this, this guy, let's just say this guy, the coach had gotten married yes. and he calls me into it and says, Hey man, can you guys come help me move and so move some stuff? We got to put in a moving truck. And I can't remember the house he was moving it to but it was in that same town it was in Keynes. it was like yeah, i don't know a couple across, miles away uh, odd bits yes so he says it to us like okay we got to come move some stuff i'll and pay you for your time he'll pay us for our time but <laughs> so we go to move the stuff well we're thinking like okay boxes and things like that and i think wasn't a piano was there not a piano yeah, there move? was a piano and a couch <laughs> so and it's, it's big things. stuff yeah. Big stuff. And it's the three of us. Yes. Only the three of us. And it's hot. This is in the summertime, I think. Summer. I think it summertime. Yeah, it was summer. And by the way, Texas in the summer, if you've never been to Texas in the summer, it's not cold. And I mean, it's probably in the 90s and probably 90 degree humidity. Yes. So what? Okay. So take me through what you remember about. So we're moving this stuff. And this is for a few hours. This is not like 10, 15 minutes, right? Yeah. Yeah, he says it's just gonna be for a few things, and so I will pay you guys for your time. Oh, okay. So we're there, we loaded up the little U-Haul and drove across campus and loaded. 
I remember he, he was what carrying a couch. Or oh, let's tip it this way, or oh, let's turn it this way. And you did. And next I heard Brent said, sorry, bud. And he let his end go. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like you're still holding it and you go, I see. I said, sorry, but and he did all that and uh, gave us two a bottle of Gatorade. Each. Yeah. Well, so at the end, he goes, yeah, let's go down to old Betsy Market and we'll get, I'll get you guys a Gatorade. Yes. And I we said, were looking at each other like, you are paying us for our time. Gatorade. Gatorade. <laughs> I thought about that today. <laughs> it was the wow. best. It was the best. Because, of course, DeWitt and I talked about that for, for, well, still years on end, about the fact that we were moving a whole bunch of stuff. I mean, we're sweating or whatever. And he was like, hey, man, here, you guys come out and choose a Gatorade. I'll get you guys a Gatorade. <laughs> yes. It's like, I was hoping you would drop a 20, Brent. <laughs> a 20. Maybe I can go to Fort Worth and have time at the AMC movies. But, no. A bottle of 18 ounce Gatorade. Yeah. Okay. So one, one final thing we have to get to before we finish today was about First Walk, which is a Chinese takeout place that is yes. in Cleburne, Texas, which is this town right near the college. We used to go there all the time. It was like, it's still the best place in the world. They had full, full meals for $4, like full packed up meals for $4. And I used to love the way they would talk in there because it was a Chinese family who essentially like lived in the restaurant. We thought for a while, we, we didn't know where they lived yes. and they opened it up. It started while we were in college. It opened in the early night, or I guess it'd be 93, 94, somewhere in that range is when it opened. Mm -hmm. And we would go there all the time and we loved it. And we, and people from the college would go there all the time too. Cause it was first walk yes. and everyone had funny sayings from there and one of my favorite things was that when you would order, you know, I feel pretty confident about understanding other languages, but mind you, yes. we're in Texas. There's people who have never been around anything but white people. And yes. then of course they're going into first walk. And I remember one of the first things, the funniest things was when we'd go in there and after you'd order, they'd go, Sosa dosa? and people would kind of look around <laughs> <laughs> and I, it took me a couple times to realize they were asking if you want soy sauce or duck sauce. Yeah, but they would say like sosa dosa, <laughs> and you know, and you know, there's people who ha didn't have any kind of other culture in their life. They're like, what? What did they ask me? Yes. What? what that guy was crazy. Do you remember that one time he offered you a job? <laughs> yes, I got he offered said, a job. Yeah, he he offered you a job at first walk. You work with us first walk. So I say, can I get a job? No, you're black. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was out but of control. I understood well, his argument because he was like, yeah, you need to you need to work here. You need to work here. I was like, oh. Well, no. he, he told me, he goes, you work here. You work here. Uh, no tax, no tax. Under the table, under the table. Cash, cash. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I don't think I can have a job here. <laughs> Oh, yes, but we had man. such good times. And that restaurant, so this it's it's just like a hole in the wall place, but it's called First Walk and mm -hmm. still it's great stuff. It's but what they would there. do is they would put checks on the wall where you would order at the desk at the table there or or sorry, 
not the desk, the desk where you'd go mm-hmm. to order and they would have checks up there. And I remember seeing those like, what in the world are these checks for? And yes. then they were bounced checks. So they would put all these bounced checks up on the wall. And then we would start looking at it. It was like going to a post office, looking at the criminal pictures, right? Yeah. We'd look at those checks and sometimes we would recognize names on those checks. <laughs> I know how Viz was there. We would and see names of people we knew, and we'd be like, oh, I know who this person is. Yes, and you know, this funniest thing, when uh, our friend saw it, Chippy told them, he said, I know where this guy lives. <laughs> he was money. He hasn't that check bounced. Where does he live? Chippy gave them directions, man, and they showed up to his house. The whole nine yards to collect seven, $7.59. You bought fried rice and you bounced the check. We need our money. It was that lady and their son was translating. <laughs> oh, man. Those times were the best. Yes, man. I'm telling line. you, if you have never been to Keen in the 90s, you missed out. I feel sorry when I go there. I was in Keen last night. I saw uh, a lady being attacked by Chihuahua. What? A Chihuahua is just mauling this lady and she's screaming, help, help. And Chihuahua didn't stop. And he took the ever-present uh, King Cops. They showed up and they restrained the Chihuahua. And Chihuahua told the King Cops, he said, uh, I'm tired of wearing Bill Cosby shirts. And <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Yeah. So this, DeWitt is going to come back. So this was just the starter today. But I wanted everyone to just get a taste of what it's like because we have, we wrote down different funny things or we're coming up with different funny stories that happened to us in our lives together yes. that we we felt like needed to get told. So you just heard the beginning of that today. But DeWitt, I just want to say, make sure to say thank you so much for, for, for starting us off because we're going to be back. We're going to be back. This was great. It just felt like we've been talking for 20 minutes, but it's been two hours. Almost, yes. Almost, wow. yes. Well, listen, that's awesome. I enjoyed it. All right. Well, that will do it for episode number 10. I told you, you would not regret listening to an interview with DeWitt. And in the second part, which will be coming out soon. We will discuss many things that we have written down, stories that trigger laughter, as you heard a lot of laughter here on this episode and interview as well. Even as I was listening back to it, I was laughing out loud, loud enough that my wife called and told me to be quiet because our kids were in bed and she wanted me to not wake them up. Yes, good times, right? So, Look forward to that coming up. Hope you are having a great time listening to the podcast. Remember, you can get in touch with us at the mic is on the MIC is AHN at gmail.com or reach out to me on Instagram, anywhere. Uh, questions, you can always send those in because we have another question and answer episode coming out very soon as well. So hope you enjoyed it and we are out of here. So we will see you later.